0: This is Kent Hilly from Perfect Plan, and you're listening to Stephen Michael on the Growing Up Rock podcast. Now crank it up.
1: Welcome to the Grown Up Rock podcast, Kent Hilly from Perfect Plan. How's it going, Kent?
0: Thank you, Stephen. It's going fine. Thank you. I'm good. Just feeling the tension for the release tomorrow, but everything's good.
1: Yeah, that's exciting. So the new record from Perfect Plan at the time of this recording is being released tomorrow, September 4th. So I encourage people to go pick up the new Perfect Plan record, Time for a Miracle.
0: Yeah, sounds great, man.
1: So, Kent, uh, let me ask you this. I heard you mention in a previous interview that you started singing at the age of 33. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's correct.
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) well, obviously, that's pretty damn late by most standards in rock and roll. So what happens at 33 for you that prompts you to take a stab at singing?
0: Yeah, well, you know, to be honest, I've been brought up with music all my life, but in a family that, you know always have been uh doing music so you know it's it, it's not a surprise in 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 terms of that but you know um uh, for me it was soccer all the way growing up you know so um i quit my career as a soccer player when i was 33 and uh found myself you know not knowing what to do really uh when you don't have sports so um i ended up trying to learn the acoustic guitar and um uh, obviously i've i've been singing in the shower and you know like people almost do so yeah. but when i started playing in the, the acoustic guitar it was mainly because i wanted to sing it was actually a friend of mine a couple of years later that uh, you know said to me when he heard me singing that you know this is very good you need to do something about that so i started up uh you know with a cover band doing some covers and some tributes as well. Uh, we had a tribute band called Seven Doors Hotel for Europe and Joey Tempest. Uh-huh. So um, that was really my beginning. I've played in cover bands since then for many years and different tribute bands as well, you know. So um, the first setup with Perfect Plan that we had with our former bassist, P.O. Sedin, uh, was actually a cover band that we had. In 2013, I think it was, I started to write my own songs and uh, I had a couple of songs that I brought to the band and asked if they wanted to try this. And about six or seven months later, we had a full album. So we said that, why not record this in a studio and put it out on Spotify and YouTube ourselves, you know, and uh, maybe some record company um could give us a deal but that was not you know our main goal at that point you know we, we just wanted to have fun and uh we just wanted to to do our own stuff you know
1: so let me ask you this let me rewind a little bit because there's a ton of information there so were you a professional soccer player
0: yeah yeah for many years i was a part-time professional soccer player and um but in the end you know the the five last years I uh, I had a full-time job uh, also but earlier I had a part-time job and and uh, part-time sports yeah but that was you know a huge part of my life playing soccer yeah
1: well that's interesting because i mean you you basically you replaced one band of brothers with another band of brothers it sounds like moving from soccer to music
0: yeah and it was it's basically the same you know thing you know, in, in in terms of having band members towards, you know, members of a, of a team, a soccer team, you know. So I really miss that, you know, going to practice and uh, talking to the other teammates and uh, things like that. So I um, obviously get that with having a band as well. So just having fun and, uh, you know seeing each other a couple of times a week and, uh, practice and, uh, you know, doing music together. And, uh, it's a special bond that you build and, uh, a special relationship that you build, uh, that it's quite the same in a soccer team and in the band. And, um, you know, the harmony that you obviously find after a while when you practice enough is, you know, everyone being on the same level and having that, you know, perfect, chemistry with their own influences uh, mixed together and uh, um, you know you get the perfect plan sound you know so it's uh, it gives me a great deal so yeah
1: well you mentioned playing in cover bands and for a lot of musicians i'm roughly your age i'm 50 yeah i'm 54
0: yeah i'm 53 yeah so <laughs> so we grew
1: up at the same time and i know here yeah. in america In the 80s, all my friends were playing covers in garages and cover bands, getting our feet wet on, you know, on club stages and really honing the craft. And (laughs) it was there that, you know, these bands started. So when you say that Perfect Plan kind of came out of a cover band, that's old school what kind of covers were you guys playing
0: we were actually not doing any aur melodic rock covers really obviously the you know the influences that we have today as a band or are quite different in the band but i think the main obvious influences are you know bands like giant foreigner survivor sure europe uh white snake and so on but when we did covers, it was mainly mainstream rock and, and pop and, uh, you know, things like that. But the tributes that we did was, you know, like Bon Jovi or uh, Europe and some White Whitesnake and, and, and things like that. So, but all together, you know.
1: Yeah. And to listeners that are just now kind of learning about Perfect Plan, I mean, vocally, you can handle all that stuff. Like your voice is super powerful and super amazing. Really, really strong voice.
0: Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you. Thank
1: you. So I can imagine that those covers sounded pretty damn good.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, as you said, you, you've been honing your craft for many years, and uh, you know, experimenting with uh, different styles of singing and uh, different ranges in in your vocals, and uh, you know experimenting and ex- experimenting for many years so okay i i started out late when i was 33 singing but during these past 20 years i think i've practiced singing maybe 40 50 hours a week sure
1: especially in cover bands
0: yeah and uh for many years we i taught myself and you know you went to youtube and checked out vocal uh, lessons and things like that you know sure. so but mainly, it's um, self-taught and learning by listening to other great vocalists like Jimmy James and Joey Tempest, uh, Lou Graham. And definitely, I'm I'm influenced by so many great vocalists like Dan Huff and Giant. For instance, is one of my all-time favorites, and uh, he's also my all-time favorite guitar player as well. So,
1: yeah, and you don't hear a whole lot about giant and dan huff and dan is an amazing amazing talent he's a great singer he's a great guitar player he's even a great producer yeah he is you know he's made a lot of records in nashville over the past 20 years or so when i saw that they were an influence of of yours that was like you know you just don't see that a lot which (laughs) is sort of surprising because i guess maybe they didn't have the huge success of a lot of artists and People go, well, if I mention this person, nobody's going to know who they are. But I thought they were amazing.
0: Yeah, they were amazing. But they, you know, they came in the right, not in the right time, actually. It was, you know, the first record, Last of the Runaways, came out 89 and uh, just blew me off my chair. You know, It, it was so different and so melodic. And, you know, Dan Huff's guitar playing is just out of this world. But then you know the the whole grunge thing came in 91 and they put out time to burn you know so yeah. the second record should have been there just breakthrough you know but then the grunge came so and destroyed everything uh <laughs> but those two albums you know that i have on my top five list of all all-time favorites and um uh, I definitely listen to Giant uh, a couple of times a week, at least.
1: Let's talk a little bit about that. So you just mentioned the top five list. Give us a few more of those albums that are on your list.
0: Yeah, definitely. uh, When Seconds Count with Survivor and uh, Agent Provocator, Foreigner. We got Out of This World with uh, Europe and uh, 1987 with Whitesnake, of course. Yeah. And uh, the two albums uh, from Giant.
1: Let me ask you this. You're a Foreigner fan, obviously, and it's interesting you you mention Agent Provocateur because for a lot of Foreigner fans, that's not necessarily the album they would go to. No. (laughs) It's not for me particularly. I think there's some good stuff on it, but I'm much more of a guitar-oriented individual. I I gravitate towards uh, riffs and things like that. But we recently did a top 10 Foreigner episode, yeah, and we explored the history of the band and all this other stuff. And an album that I sort of discovered that wasn't really that up front and center for me was Usual Heat with Johnny Edwards. Are you familiar with oh, that yeah. record
0: at all? Yeah, I am, but uh, you know, it's not a record that I, you know when I listen to foreign that I that I put in my stereo and you know, but it's a definitely a uh, good record and uh the low down and dirty song for instance was uh great i think song. it was a bit, bit of a mini hit for, for uh, at that time but it also came in 91 so uh just a bad timing yeah but obviously a great record and um also a great replacement for lou but you know um, for me it's uh it's just lou graham and uh it's all about the melodies and uh his way of singing his way of phrasing his his feeling and approach and how he attacked the songs and you know and obviously mick jones uh, sends for melodies and right. uh great melodies uh and lyrics so yeah i think agent provocateur is for me among the most perfect albums in terms of, uh, of those things that i mentioned because cool. you know it, it really got everything you know, it got some harder stuff there as well. You know, tooth and nail, and uh, yeah. she's too tough. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's very guitar-based and and driven type of songs. A bit heavier, a bit bluesier, but also you got you know the obvious hit. I want to know what love is, and right. and uh, that was yesterday, which is a personal favorite of mine. And uh, and I had, uh, I was fortunate to to do a cover on on our covers EP, Jukebox Heroes, on that one. So. I'm right.
1: very pleased yeah you guys did uh i think four or five covers on that ep yeah, four. Uh, yeah. it was like survivor and giant and the yeah. foreigner song so very cool let's talk about this new record so you guys got your feet wet with the first release all rise back in 2018 what did you take away from that process in the making of this new record
0: well you know the first record was really you know like having fun and do songs that we would listen to ourselves, and that's been the main goal also for this second album, but I mean the first album was really to say hello, here we are and uh, you know the second album is is really more like positioning yourself as a band and in terms of songwriting and uh, production wise and in terms of performance. On every part of the band, you know, it's a huge step forward compared to the first album. We satisfied and pleased with the first album, but I think that you know we've created a more diverse album, a bit heavier, a bit bluesier. It got two ballads on there as well, so it's a more diverse album in in, in terms of that. but we were so inspired after the first album and the release of the first album, so we started writing songs quite immediately, and uh, we wanted to put out a second album as quickly as possible to be able to have more songs to tour with as well. So definitely there was some pressure in in uh, you know creating a second album after the response that we had on the first but it was mostly all inspirational and very motivational for us to do it and you know when the corona virus came also we had some extra time to put on the second album as well so um it was both very strange but uh, also very good in terms of that
1: so how does the band go about writing? What is the process for the band writing music?
0: Well, you know, mostly uh, it starts with an acoustic version that I do. And uh, I write all the lyrics and melodies and stuff. And uh, the second phase is mostly I go to my our guitar player in the band, Rolf Nordstrom, and uh, play the song for him and, uh, you know, if he can find a cool riff to it. And, uh, you know, a way to approach the song. I'm not that good of a guitar player to do those stuff that he do. So (laughs) it's just a straightforward uh, acoustic version with, you know, verse, bridge, chorus and uh, bridge two, obviously on it. But and I often do have the lyrics and all the melodies ready. Really? It just lacks arrangements. The whole album was, first album was uh, done like that, yeah. but the second album was mostly made that, done by that way. But there are also a couple of songs that was made by jamming in the studio with the whole band, you know. So, and uh, one song, What About Love, is uh, written by our keyboard player, Leif Elin, which is a great song, a bit of a journey uh, type of song. So... And uh, it was really cool to get everyone involved in the songwriting process and uh, jamming together and and, um, came up with two or three songs, I think, that I could put the lyrics and song melodies on. So um, that was really cool. Do you guys
1: all record in the same room, or is it like basically like it is most of uh, the bands? They send in parts separately, kind of normal these days. Do you guys, are you guys able to get together in the same room?
0: We don't record uh, the records all in the same room, you know, it, it's done in different phases. You start with the drums and then the bass and uh, then the guitar and uh, the keyboard. So. And last of all, you have the vocals, right. and background vocals. So you do it in different phases to get the the most important to get the the platform ready with the with the drums and the bass. So you get that platform ready for you. So a lot of time and energy goes to drums and bass to get that necessary, you know, sound. But we know for a fact that you know it, when playing together all in the same room as we do in the demo process. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get that feel for the song, you get that sound that you want. And we always record everything we do in, in the studio in terms of the demos. So every demo is just done live. And when we have that, We can go to the studio and and we know how we want it to sound. And then we put each part.
1: Right. And I think, yeah, I think you answered my question. I I was wondering whether you guys were all recording in the same studio versus sending files across the Internet and recording in different parts of the country.
0: Yeah, we record in the same studio. Yeah, okay. So uh, everyone not at the same time.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I got that. Yeah. Very cool. So do you have a particular standout track on this record? Not necessarily your favorite track, but just more or less a standout track on the record that happens to be something you gravitate towards today? Might change in 24 hours, but who knows?
0: Yeah. You know, obviously the first three singles um of are the bands and the labels choices of the first three songs but okay my absolute favorite standout track on on this album is fighting to win the ballad yeah but it's it's kind of a different kind of ballad you know it's like a slow slow survivor eye of the tiger type of song it's very motivational and inspirational type of song and i mean the title says that but it's really um, a song about, you know, being in a very dark place and, and get yourself up from there, you know. So that song means a lot to me personally. And, um, you know, it turned out really great. It's uh, the song that I'm most proud of on this album. Is
1: it coming from a place uh, that you dealt with personally then?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh Everything that I write is uh, from personal experiences, different types of personal experiences.
1: Yeah, so I wrote uh, some notes next to this one. I put ballad, 80s inspirational movie track, Survivor or Chicago? That's, yeah. That's those were my notes that's next right. to it. I could I could totally hear this on an 80s movie soundtrack. A very inspirational. Yeah. Exactly what you said. I yeah. wrote all that before you actually told me that. That's why I thought it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, good. So we're on the same page with that. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh we've got this ongoing thing with the Grown Up Rock podcast. What is the definition of a power ballad? Because there are songs that, you know, are they a rock song? Are they a ballad? Are they somewhere in between? What is your personal definition of a power ballad? What do you think a power ballad is?
0: Yeah, you know, a power ballad could be Whitney Houston, uh, I Have Nothing, or, uh, you know, I Will Always Love You. Or uh, it could be, you know, Damn Yank is High Enough.
1: Right. I agree with all those. Is what about headed for a heartbreak by Winger? Is that a power ballad?
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, sort of a power ballad. Yeah, because you know the thing that all these songs have in common, you know, it's it's like a majestic type of sound, and uh, it got those power words, and uh, you know, it, it got that majestic feeling about it. So. Uh-huh. And it gives you a sense of just lifting from the earth, you know. So it's uh, that kind of feel you want to hear in a power ballad. And, uh, you know, the intensity and the intense feel of what the vocalist is singing about, you know, and uh, what the band is playing. Right. So it's just a very bombastic and intense feel. Right. I think that's the thing that all these songs have in common. So it is a feel thing to you, right? Yeah, it is, definitely. And, you know, all other things in common as well is, you you know, you got that very defined chorus and the build-up to the chorus. Right. It just always blows you off the chair, you know, like, you know, it's a very majestic type of sound and uh, and it builds up on you.
1: But it doesn't need to be necessarily about love, does it?
0: No. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. I think it could be... uh, Obviously, uh, most of them are very relationship oriented, yeah. but it, it could be uh, the relationship to yourself. I mean, fighting to win is basically uh, that type of a song. You right. know, it's like a known motivational type of song. And the fine thing about art is that you have the freedom to interpret the song the way you want it to be, right So um, everyone can um, have their own uh, interpretation of it, yeah. So that's good. Yeah. So the
1: music industry has changed quite a bit over the years. Tell me, from your aspect or from your view, what does a band need to accomplish to be considered successful these days? For you guys, what is success?
0: Oh, that's a very hard question. (laughs) Um, It's not like when we grew grew up, you and me, uh, in the 80s, you know, when the big arena bands like, uh, you know, Def Leppard and Whitesnake and, you know, things like that. And everyone drew a Ferrari or things like that, you know. it's um, And you can define success, you know, if you look at Ed Sheeran filling up Wembley Stadium three days in a row, you know. That's one type of success. Sure. But, you know, the success for me uh, personally is uh, reaching out with your music and touch someone right with your music. I think that the greatest reward and the greatest success for me is when somebody uh, writes me an email or um, a messenger and tells me how important our music is for them and to be able to, uh, through Frontiers this great label to be able to reach out to people in, in America or, uh, brazil or spain or england or, or you know everywhere in the world and and have people listening to our music that's also a success for me so and uh, success is also being able to do this what we do you know to be able to do music and to be able to work with music that's also one type of success but in terms of you know you you, you can measure success, obviously, through Spotify uh, mm-hmm. streams and uh, number of views on YouTube as well and, and things like that and number of, of CDs sold.
1: I think it's different things to different people. I think you have a very good yeah. outlook on it, which is back in the day, it was and can still be about numbers. It's a simple math but I think that there is a lot more these days to it than just that, because you're not going to sell a million records. We don't, we don't see those kind of sales anymore. Uh, So looking at it from a standpoint of, you know, being able to do it, both live and do it in the studio, being able to hear feedback from emails and from fans across the world that have listened to it. Uh, I think that's uh, that's a great way of looking at it.
2: Yeah, it
0: is. And But obviously, for our label, it's uh, still very important to sell CDs and, and uh, have a lot of YouTube viewers and Spotify streams, obviously. Uh, the downside with everything is money. You, you need to earn money yep. to be able to do it and uh, you do what is necessary to to do it but i think that whether you ask the label or me i mean the music is the most important thing and uh, it's the reason why you do it so uh, the music has to come first yeah every time if it don't you know you won't last that long
1: I think. I agree a hundred percent. The new album is Time for a Miracle. It is out there on Frontiers Records as we speak, as you're listening to this. So please go out and pick up the new album from Perfect Plan, Time for a Miracle. Kent, Hilly, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. I appreciate your time.
0: Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for having me, and uh, it it was my pleasure.
1: To play us out, how about I'm going to play one of my favorite deep tracks off this record. Here is a song called Nobody's Fool.
2: Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.